Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a quick look at a video from guilt.com. This is a really good secret. This is called guilt. Everybody at the show loves guilt.com. Oh, thank you. Guilt is an online shopping site where you can buy designer clothing at a fraction of the retail cost. We call them our shopping athletes. They're stretching their fingers, they're warming up their mouse, and they're rushing in through the virtual doors right at me. We want to find out how does Gilt, the early pioneer among the Daily Deal sites, stay ahead of the competition. Well, we're going to ask Michelle Peluso. She's the CEO of Gilt. Here with us now, Michelle Peluso, the CEO of Gilt. The founders of Gilt, G-I-L-T dot com. This company has exploded, obviously. It's really, really exciting and easy and fun to shop. She's going There's a lot of competition for sure, and that keeps us really passionate and focused on being the best we can be for consumers every day. Please welcome Guilt.com, Kathy Post! Hello. Coming up next, lifestyle expert Kathy Post is here. She's got some home design tips. Tyler Thornton is the editor of Guilt.com. Guilt.com's got the secrets to all the celebrity statement-making trends. To start with one wow piece, and then layer on some more simple pieces. Now is your chance to have a W bed right in your own home, courtesy of Guilt Home. All of these beautiful red dresses are courtesy of Guilt.com. I am also wearing a red dress from Guilt.com. Two weeks later, a big box from Guilt Group arrives, which is very exciting to me. As if he didn't have enough jobs already as guest curator for Guilt.com. It's been fun picking out the clothes and it kind of represent my aesthetic. And it's fast, like you have 36 hours to buy the clothes. So the idea of a cap toe and what makes it different from your traditional pointy toe is that it has a contrasting color and the front of the toe. Vintage watches, mechanical watches have never been more popular. We're yeah. selling tons of them at Guild. We've got Blue Ivy's crib. It goes for $3,500. But starting today, you can go to Guild.com. Guild is clearly the leader in its group. Mm -hmm. I curated a sale with Guild Kids. So go to guilt.com to check out my sale. You know, with the first day of spring, that means it's time for some serious fashion. All right. All right, our number four must-see look of the week, Joan, Kelly Rowland, and Michelle Williams. Whoa. They are at a Jaguar and Guilt event in Los Angeles. Please welcome my friend and the editorial director of Guilt Home, Tom Delavan, everyone. That's guilt.com. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, co-editor-in-chief at Fashionista, Lauren Invick, and tonight's guest, the CEO of guilt.com, Michelle Peluso. Well, thanks to everyone who came out today. Um, I'm obviously so excited to speak with Michelle, who's been CEO of Guilt now for about a year. Uh, did you ever think you would be CEO of a fashion retail company? Um, I have to tell you, it is the best job. So if I didn't imagine it before, I'm sure glad I found it. I've been on the board of Guild for four years and CEO for a year and just so passionate about this amazing, talented team that I get to work with every day. 
Now, I'm curious how you made the transition to CEO. Did someone call you up one day and said, Michelle, do you want to do this? Yeah. Did you put together a pitch? Um, so I've been on the board for four and a half years, actually, so from early days of guilt. And um, being a New York company and living in New York, I just really got to know the company well. And so um, got to know the management team, helped to hire some of the management team. Um, and Kevin Ryan, who's our founder and chairperson, along with Alexis and Alexandra, who you saw in the video, Kevin wanted to make the shift from CEO to chairman. And so Kevin and the board uh, started asking me about, actually now about two and a half years ago, to take the spot. And it um, took me a while just because I had a lot of loyalty to the company I was at, but um, joined a year ago and have had a blast. So. Now, there are, as we well know, there are woefully few women uh, in your position who are CEOs of companies. What advice do you have to women in the workplace? And are you, I assume you're a big fan of Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sheryl's awesome, and I think she's bringing so much great conversation, which is fantastic. I've known Cheryl actually for a long time when we were in the White House together way back in the day. Um, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. For me, it's about doing what I'm passionate about, spending the time on the things that I think matter most. Um, being a great mom. I'm a mom to a four-year-old and a five-year-old uh, who are adorable and obsessed with superheroes. And, you know, some of it's just about figuring out how you can be um, amazing at the job you do and passionate about the job you do and be the mom you want to be. Um, I think, I don't know that there's any such thing as balance. I haven't figured it out if there is, but I firmly believe in structure. So as everybody at Guilt knows, I leave the office religiously at five o'clock um, every day and I'm home by 5.15 and so then it's, you know, building Ford time and reading books and all this other stuff. Um, and then I work 8 p.m. to 11 or 11.30 every night um, after they've gone to bed. So, uh, you know, I, for me, it's just about being really sort of disciplined and structured with how I spend my time so I can, you know, hopefully do both jobs pretty well. <laughs> so, so going back to guilt in your first year, um, where, what would you say were your, are your major accomplishments and what have you been focused on? Um, well, I'll tell you the four things we've been focused on. Um, one is just accelerating growth. Um, at Guilt, we have this incredible mix of fashion and technology. And um, I think that you know there's so much happening in the world. There's so much transforming. We're at this really amazing place where fashion meets technology is super relevant for people, for young people, for urban people, for people of style, that Guilt delivers such an interesting promise. And what I wanted to do was make sure that we were really focused on that core business um, and to accelerate growth. And so the nice thing is, is we're coming out of a year where we've grown the fastest we've grown in a bunch of years, which is exciting. Um, we also wanted to figure out how to be very indispensable to our brand partners. And so we've been spending a lot of time. We have these amazing brand partners who make us who we are. And so um, really understanding how we can be a marketing platform for them. Um, a lot of brands are struggling right now, right? The traditional means of getting their marketing out, getting their brand out, um, is changing rapidly, right? Store traffic, foot traffic is going down dramatically. And young people, you know, people of style, influence, tastemakers, they're, they're not shopping at those traditional stores. And so uh, it's our job to think about how do we help them achieve their goals? How do we, you know, beyond just selling excess inventory, how do we make sure we're a marketing platform? And we've done a lot of, I think, creative things this year with different partners to be more than just a channel for a sort of excess inventory. Um, the third thing that we've been really focused on is just 
funding our future. Uh, we just think there are a lot of growth ideas. Our mobile work is amazing, and I know some of our phenomenal mobile team is here. Raise the roof. Um, and we have such an awesome, awesome partnership with Apple. And we want to be able to fund these things. We want to be able to invest in international and in mobile. And so we've been figuring out ways. Um, we run a machine every day. We have a 1,000 or so different things that we're putting on the site. And there's always ways to make that more efficient. And so we've spent a lot of time this year making sure that we're using technology not just to make sure the consumer experience is great, but also to make sure that the employee experience is great and that we're moving faster and getting more efficient. Um, and the last thing and the most important thing is just being an awesome place to work. You know, we have to have the best people want to work at Gilt. And um, for me, it's just an unbelievable privilege to get to go to work every day with brilliant marketers and engineers and, you know, merch experts and buyers and PR teams and stylists and creative people. And so, my most important job is just making sure I'm getting obstacles out of their way and that I'm, you know, sort of helping them achieve, you know, their goals and making sure that Guilds is a place where they see a long career. Um, so those are the four things we've been really obsessed about over the past year. And you talk about sales growth. Are you still acquiring users as aggressively as you once were, or is that more about taking your existing customer base, who you know is loyal, and getting them to buy more? Yeah, it's both. And so we actually have this pretty unique thing in e-commerce. Um, we have a very strong revenue retention rate. And so uh, when someone becomes a Gilt member, and part of this is because you know they might start as a women shopper, and then they find a guy, and they want to make him over, and they look into our men's store, and then they get an apartment, and we've got great things in our home store, and maybe they're pregnant or have kids. So our job is to evolve with that customer. And as a result, we have very strong revenue retention. If you take a group of members we acquired three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, the vast majority of the revenue is still with us. Those customers are still with us. Their revenue is still with us. So for sure, you know, half of our brain is focused on how do we make sure we understand who they are, how they're growing, how they're changing, what we're putting in front of them. We have an enormous amount of work going on with our um, team on personalization and relevance. So we're showing you what is most interesting to you. But the other half of the brain is, you know, as well known as we are, we're still a fairly unrecognized brand in the scheme of things. We're a very young brand in the scheme of things. And so there's still a lot more we can do to acquire you know, new members, the right members, and get them excited about the Guild proposition. So for us, it's a balanced equation between the two. Now, Guild's very big in the US. It's big in Japan. Um, what other markets have you been seeing growth or that you're targeting? Yeah, you know, it's pretty amazing because I think we actually do a poor job <laughs> internationally. And yet, you know, we see about 10% of our customers um, and our revenue is coming from people who log on to international sites and, and, and find Gilt and want to buy things from Gilt. This year is a year of doubling down on some of those things to improve the international experience. Um, and, and there's really a few things. We don't accept local forms of payment. That'll change this year. We don't um, think about merchandise strategy. You know, it surprises us. Um, sometimes when you know we go to sleep and then we wake up in the morning and you know all the size twos are gone or size five shoes are gone because Asia woke up and went shopping and so we have to do a better job with our merchandise strategy for our international audience. Um, we can do a better job with language and content. We don't translate the site, silly things like that. Um, our shipping and our returns policy isn't as good as it could be um, and it's expensive in some markets and so um, we are fortunate in that the proposition and the brand really resonates internationally but this is a big year for us to make that experience as strong as the experience is for consumers in the US. 
Now, American shoppers love a deal, and European brands are always complaining because all the American retailers uh, do so much discounting. Are there other markets that are as receptive to the gilt model as the U.S.? Are there certain ones you don't think you'll ever, you know, really be able to get into? It's a great question. You know, and every market does have its nuances, um, and you know this well, Lauren, that um, you know, France is very attuned, but it's certain times of the year, and it's very clear when it is, right? Um, in Korea, you know, for instance, um, blogging and the social dynamic of fashion is super critical, and so the deal is very important, but almost like the authority of a celebrity or a blogger is super important, too, um, and we have to position ourselves a bit differently in that market. Um, in, uh, so, so every market kind of has its own nuances. What markets are biggest for us or where we see a lot of customer demand is um, China, Korea, Hong Kong, as you would expect, Australia, Canada, um, UAE, um, Mexico. So those are the, Canada, of course, I think I mentioned. Um, those are the countries that you know, we think we probably have the nearest term biggest opportunity. Now, Gilt for so long was experimenting with so many different verticals. There was Gilt Taste for food, and then you guys did your full-price men's site for a while. I mean, should we expect Gilt to go into more product categories, or is it more about streamlining back to that original model? Yeah, it's a great question, Lauren. I actually think we went too far. Um, and on one hand, I give us a huge amount of credit because we launched different things, and you know, we had the courage to fail. And you know, I was with this really brilliant, amazing man, actually the father of one of the co-founders of Gilt, recently, and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, failure is a mandatory component of success. Um, and I really thought that was brilliant and beautiful. And um, I do think we expanded into too many categories. Some of them succeeded, and we did well. But others, the problem is we just took a little bit of our focus off the core. And, um, and so as we rein that in and really doubled down and focused on the core, we have seen this acceleration in growth and acceleration in revenue. And so I think that is part of our success is making sure we're, we're really focused on being exceptional. Because look, you know, there are no switching costs online, as you know, right? You can log into one site, and if the site experience isn't terrific, you go somewhere else. And so every single day, at Gilt more than almost any other place, we have to get up passionate, 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 and determined to be better than we were yesterday. Um, and we need to be focused. So how do you get excited? How do you get your customers excited every single day about logging in at noon and buying something? Yeah, and and this goes back to the team. I mean, I um, to work at Guilt, um, you have to be amazing, um, but you have to be this incredible combination of left brain and right brain. And I think it's a really unique thing. And you also have to be very agile and you have to be very collaborative because every day the store is changing, every day the warehouse is changing, every day we have to get better than the day before. And so. Um, there's a lot of people on our team who thrive and get excited about you know, big ideas. It's a great environment to take risk um, because if we make a wrong decision, if we pick, you know, we buy inventory that's not great or we do a promotion or you know, we do something creatively and it's not, it doesn't quite work um, or we launch a new product or some code and it's not quite work, we can, it's gone the next day. You know? I mean, it, it, so we don't have to live with that for a long time. And so in many ways, I think it creates an environment for our team where you know, they can take risks. And, um, and that's part of the equation, right, is step out there. You know, let's talk about it. Wear white after Labor Day. You know, put, your, you know, put yourself out there. Take a risk. And if it doesn't work, and many times it won't, sometimes it won't, some portion won't, um, how do we just sort of recover and get better for the next day? Now, one thing that you're experimenting with, which is interesting, is more full price. I mean, Gelt's known for discounts. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
So the GILT customer, I think the GILT promise is sort of predicated on four things. One is that it has to be exciting and there has to be a sense of urgency. You know, shopping is fun. It's fun. And in some ways, I think the digital world stripped a lot of that fun out, you know, and it became just this like sort of huge catalog and you're trying to wade through and sort through. And um, GILT brought the fun back and the excitement back and the urgency back. And I think that is a tenant that is really critical. Um, secondly, there has to be it has to be aspirational, and it has to be there has to be value. Um, mostly, we define value as a great price point, but I'm going to come back to when value can also mean full price. Um, third thing is it has to be curated. You know, we value people's time. We think people come to Guild because they have a point of view. They they come because they are themselves stylish. They have a point of view, and so our job is to curate to figure out what's interesting, what's best, what do we think you should look at today. And last, personalization is really important. It's got to be relevant. Because um, if you're a guilt, you're a member. And so we know a lot about you. And if, if we're holding on to members for, you know, and customers for many years, we get a lot of information. And so we have a real responsibility to use that information to the, make the experience more and more relevant. So in the case of full price, if it's just full price that you can find everywhere else and there's nothing particularly interesting or exciting or value or relevant or curated, it's really not going to work for us. And we've experienced with that in the past that, you know, but if full price is interesting and unique and there's a value component, it can work really well. Uh, a great example is was having dinner with the CEO of Stuart Weitzman, brilliant guy, Wayne Culkin, and he was talking about the anniversary of the 50-50 boot. Iconic Stuart Weitzman boot, 20-year anniversary, gorgeous, gorgeous boot, $700. And he was talking about how do I just sort of focus you know, attention on this really interesting anniversary moment. And our team started brainstorming with his teams, and their team is really innovative, and so they, you know, the two teams pushed each other. And we decided to do a whole event around the 50-50 boot. Um, video from, uh, from Stuart Weitzman about what inspired him to build shoes. Uh, a bunch of models who came, we had a big event, who were wearing their 50-50s, talking about how they wore them. Um, Stuart Weitzman designed certain colors just for us, so we had exclusive colors and exclusive offers of the 50-50 boot, including a $10,000 crazy Swarovski crystal boot, which was bought um, on an iPad several times. Um, and that, you know, we did a million dollars of that boot quickly um, because it was, yes, it was full price, but it was interesting, it was unique, it was relevant at the moment, it was exciting. Um, you know, we, we had these exclusive colors, and so that's where we can do full price and we can be a great marketing platform, but it's gotta have those four things. It has to bring something unique to the customer. And how often can you do something like that and still get customers excited? Um, you know, it doesn't, it, I, I think um, creativity is always shifting and changing, right? We don't use the same formula. Um, uh, but I think there's endless appetite, both from our employee base and from our customers, to say, push us in a new direction, try something new. We just did two Infinity cars. Infinity came to us and said, you know, we're really interested in women and fashion and our cars, and we have this great um, new car. So we had Tom Brown and Zach Posen redesign the interiors of those cars and the exteriors. Um, it was a six-month project. It was a long project, painstaking detail. It was gorgeous. I mean, those cars were beautiful. You know, generated a huge amount of attention, test drives, and exciting, exciting for our customers. When we launched that sale for people to buy, those pages were you know the most visited pages we've had in I don't know months. So you know, I think um, does it always work? Absolutely not. We we have plenty of times when we put something out there and it just doesn't hit. Um, but I think we know 
generally the criteria for success because we know our customers pretty well. I was just going to ask about that, more about personalization. Um, how have you integrated that? You have so much data about your customers. How are you using that to make their shopping experience different? Yeah, so when I think about personalization, I always think about three things. and. Two things I think we're doing, one we're not. Um, one is sort of more the traditional marketing personalization. Do you have a sense of personas? Do you really understand the types of people who shop with you? Are you buying for certain types of people in mind? Do you understand what they do with their free time and, and what the, how they feel about guilt? And I think our teams have done a tremendous job of thinking about those sort of nine personas of guilt and who they are. And so our men's team can really look at these two core personas, they're actually named Sean and Drew. Um, and if you go to our men's department, there's pictures, there's images, there's a story about these guys. And so when our buyers are buying and our merchants are, are thinking about it, they really design, you know, they, they have a point of view and our creative teams when they're shooting and styling and, and the like. Um, so that's one type of personalization. I think that type of personalization informs what are the categories we should be in? What's the what are the brands we should have? You know, what are the styles that are going to be relevant? And how are these people going to graduate? And what are they going to want next? Um, the second type of personalization is really individual data. And because to shop at Guild, you have to be logged in as a member, um, generally. Uh, to, to shop at Guild, we collect a lot of information. And so more and more, we're using that to try to make your experience better. As a for instance, um, we launched something called Your Personal Sale. And the way I describe this is we open the vault each day for our members. We pull 50 things that we think are just for you. Um, because you've bought the brand before, because you've shopped for the brand before, because we think it's adjacent to brands you like, because it's your size, because it's the right season. And we open the vault and put 50 things in front of you in a personal sale that nobody else sees. You've seen on your homepage, nobody else sees it. Same as the rest of the, of the sales, it's gone in 36 hours, so act fast. But it's really personalized to the individual based on your data and your behavioral data. Um, so there we're making, I think, a lot of progress with a lot more that we can do. Um, simple things like, you know, it's not relevant for us to be talking about mm, spring boots in March in Australia. And so, you know, how do we make sure that you know we use personalization based on that individual data to put the right things in front of the customer? The last thing, which we don't do, and we're we're sort of playing with a little bit, is getting user feedback into what they want. You know, we have a sense of that, um, but I think we can do more to actively ask consumers, you know, like this, don't like this, or want more of this, less of this, et cetera. So I think that's an area for us to continue to explore. Now that personal shopping page, are you seeing much higher conversions and what is that rate like? Yeah, so um, we are seeing any time we do something that, you know, sort of our best data um, scientists and engineers work on to make the experience more relevant, we see better conversion and better engagement. So on those personal sales, people who have personal sales tend to come to the site more frequently and we, we A-B test everything. I can't tell you how incredibly analytical our team is. Um, and so those people come to the site more often, they're more engaged, and the conversion on those sales is higher, you know, by uh, not double, but you know, maybe 80% maybe or so higher than on other traditional sales. And um, you know, there, was, there were complaints a few years ago um, because when people were buying things on Gilt, they weren't getting the same merchandise they were getting in stores. They were getting you know, Prada or Kate Spade, but it wasn't the Prada and Kate Spade that had been in stores. It was, it was things made out of leftover fabric. What have you done to improve quality control since then? 
So it wouldn't have been Prada or Kate Spade, but um, I think that you know, Gilt has a really diverse inventory mix. And so um, some of the stuff is at end of season. Um, brands go to us and give us their excess inventory, which is why we can offer the great discount. More and more, though, we actually go to market with the brands as they're cutting for the season, and we put an order with the brand for the styles that you know, you'll see this week on the runway. Um, we then hold that inventory out of respect for their traditional retailers to, towards the end of the season and then release it at the discount. Um, but that's the same stuff you're seeing sort of uh, on point. And then some stuff we have, you know, where we work very closely. I'll give you an example. Tom Delavan, who runs our home divisions. You know Tom. Um, amazing point of view. Amazing style. He's our creative director in home. And he's been working on things that he thinks the guilt home customer would really like, where he's designing. And he's got just an incredible background and experience and a lot of data. And we call that collection guilt home. And so it's very clear to our customers that you know, this is something that guilt's putting its name on and its brand on and that you know, we really believe in. Now, we've talked a little bit how much shopping has changed over the last 20 years. Um, and I'm, shopping has changed so much even since guilt started. Um, how do you think about that? How do you describe the, the way that the change for the way women shopped 20 years ago and the way they shop now? Yeah, well, I think, um, I think people who had, you know, a point of view, a little bit of style, a little bit of time in their hands, early 20s. It wasn't uncommon, certainly for my friends and I, you know, to, to go have lunch and shop, right? You, you might go to Barney's or Bergdorf, you were here in New York, but if you're somewhere else, it's, it's other places. And you shop, you have lunch, it's a social activity. When you look at foot traffic in stores, and malls in particular, which has been remarkably consistent over the years, these past four years have seen a dramatic change. I mean, foot traffic to malls and traditional stores is dropping by about four, has dropped by about 40%. I mean, that is such a huge, huge number. And when you look at who is still in those stores, it tends to be much older customers. And so um, Generation Y customers, for the first time, say that their preferred way of shopping is online. Their preference of all the different ways they could shop is that online shopping is their actual preference. And when you look at the spend patterns of Gen Y, they haven't even come close to their prime spending years. They're in their early curve of their spending years. And so I think it's, it's a very sudden transition, actually. Um, and I think mobile is just increasingly important. Um, you know, at Gilt, more than 40% of our revenue, more than half of our visits every day come from mobile. Um, and we do a lot to make sure the mobile experience is unique and exciting and differentiated because we know when she or he picks up their mobile device, they want something different from Gilt than when they're at their desktop. Now, we know that you know online makes sense because it's so convenient, it's always there, you have a, an unlimited inventory. What, I mean, are, are brick and mortar stores not doing something right? Is there anything they can do to make themselves more interesting, to make people want to come back in stores? Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. I think it's, um, uh, Unequivocally, yes. And there are stores that are doing phenomenally well, right? In the sea of sort of this downtrend, there are stores that are bucking the trend. I think the challenge in general for really big brands and really big retailers is threefold, right? Um, do you attract, do you have the vision of what it takes to get young people excited about coming to stores? Or just young people excited about your brand, forget stores. Um, you know, is that sort of top of mind and do you have the strategy and the vision to do it? Um, secondly, do you have the resources, right? Because when your whole resource base is in a large network of brick and mortar stores, it's just hard to put the right amount of resource against the digital transformation. And third, do you have the talent? Um, you know, 
it is very clear to me that Guild succeeds because Guild has the best talent. And so, you know, can you attract those the best social marketing people? Are they going to feel like they're super important to the future of the company? And I think, I think as as big retailers get the answers to those questions right, of course they can do great things. They have a tremendous network. They have a tremendous amount of resources. So I think there's certainly hope. But those, if, if I were, you know, thinking about a big brick and mortar network, those are the things I'd be really thinking hard about. And um, in terms of you know how shopping has changed since since guilt started, I mean, are there certain price points maybe people weren't comfortable with five years ago that they now are? Were there certain price categories or certain sorry certain ca categories like home that people just weren't comfortable buying online, but now they are? What have you seen that's changed? Yeah, so. Um it's still the case that people want to activate, try their first purchase, make it as risk-free as possible. Um, Guilt City is a great vehicle for that. That's our local experience business. It tends to be a lower price point. It's easy to make the try. You, do, you don't have to worry about is it going to fit or something. Um, jewelry, costume jewelry is another great first purchase. And so we still find that it's important to make sure those first-time customers see things that are you know, easy for them to step into the Guilt experience. You're not going to buy necessarily you know, a Carolina Herrera dress on your first purchase. And so that's important. We also have to get better. I think we've made a lot of progress, but we have to get better at making sure our imagery is as good as it can be, um, but also like sizing and fit and, you know, how does this designer run and how will this fit you? And those kind of things we've made a lot of progress on, um, but we have more to do. And different devices require different things. You know, we have, for instance... Um, always really prided ourselves on having, you know, models, and um, and we love that on all of our our shoots. The flip side is, on a small mobile device, you know, if you're showing a whole person, you don't really see that sweater. And so we've been thinking a lot about how do we optimize, you know, creative imagery, and how do we talk about size and fit, and how do we do that um, even differently for different devices. Now I've got to switch over to Q and A, so I'm ask you two short questions. Um, one, the, probably the question I'm most interested in is, you know everything about guilt. Do you have any secret tips for scoring something before somebody else? I do, and his name is Gray, and he's actually sitting in the audience. <laughs> Our amazing PR talented colleague, Gray, um, dumps things in my cart and sends me a note and tells me I should check out and buy these things. And so definitely the secret weapon is Gray, um, uh, uh, one of the most talented people at guilt. And so, yeah, that's easy. I just, I just know how to take orders. <laughs> and looking forward to this year, you've talked about a few areas that you want to improve. Is an IPO on the calendar for this year? What else are you focused on? Yeah, I mean, we're always thinking about that question, what's the right timing, but it's not something we comment on in, um, in terms of an IPO. In terms of focus areas, I think there's a lot of growth opportunities and exciting growth opportunities. You know, we, um, uh, we're very focused on mobile personalization, um, international and global and how we become better for our global customers and also some work we've been doing with some of our brands and taking on some additional responsibilities for them like fulfillment and some other stuff that I think will help make us more indispensable to them so so those are sort of top of mind um, top of mind for me uh, and anyone in the audience have any questions for Michelle how are you uh, you talked about the importance of a curated experience how do you balance that or do you balance that at all with uh, user engagement online? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, and it's, it's, um, it's interesting because um, sometimes we ask ourselves this question, right, of if we had 
um, the ability to search for anything you wanted, would that be a better user experience? But then would you lose the excitement and the urgency of what guilt is? Um, we firmly believe that, that you know, this idea of putting relevant, interesting things in front of you and getting you excited is the heart of what guilt does. Um, can we do more to make sure if you really want a belt, we always have a selection of belts that you can find, or if you really want just a simple black dress, we always have a simple black dress. I think we can, but not at the expense of making sure that every day you come to guilt, um, because it's exciting and because there's something new and something that might you know catch your interest. It's, it's Alexis said it in the video, it's kind of sport a little bit. And so I think the balancing act for us is that is fundamental. Can we do a better job of making sure some of your basic needs are met? Yes. Hi. Um, what do you think of, um, you know, there's a lot of brands that are afraid of hurting their name to be on, you know, um, discount site, even though it's great. So how do you approach brands and what do you, how do you convince them to be with you? Yeah, it's a great question, and I give huge amount of credit to the founders, you know, Alexis and Alexandra, who really, and Kevin, of course, who were the ones who were first tackling that question when guilt was unknown. Um, you know, it actually isn't difficult now, in large part because guilt has such a good reputation, and for a lot of our brand partners, they have excess inventory. That's part; they all do, right? It's part of the business. And if you come to guilt, you know that we can take it all. We will shoot it. We will make it look beautiful. We hear from a lot of our partners that we make their brands look better than they do online. Um, and it'll be done in 36 hours. And that we have this really affluent young audience. And we've shown we have a lot of data and case studies that say um, if we launch a sale and we do a sale with you, um, you know, even just their Google traffic will go up, right? People get sort of interested in the brand. And so I think we have enough data points, but what we're really focused on is um, being a great marketing platform, being super easy to work with, elevating their brand through the entire experience, um, and, and just making sure that, you know, it is so seamless, so easy, so brand enhancing for them. Um, and I think the teams have done a really nice job. And then we're always figuring out new things and new ways to do things. So might be new editorial or a new video or might be you know the way we style things, but trying to make sure we're always a fresh perspective. Hi. I know you have an um, internal policy of answering employee emails within 24 hours. Um, I think that's great and commendable. I'm wondering how. Um, how much of an open door policy do you have? What kind of emails do you get? Does everyone have your email address? And what yeah. sort of internal issues are you dealing with from employees? What are they writing you about? And Mark, do I have a door? <laughs> um, I actually don't have a desk. Um, so uh, I don't have a desk. So I, we have 1,100 employees at Guild, and about 600 of them are in our uh, headquarters in Two Park. And I don't sit anywhere permanently. I, I'm a gypsy. So um, I will spend a few weeks with one team, and then I'll spend a month with another team, and then I'll spend a few weeks with another team. And um, my assistant, Ruth, is awesome. And every once in a while, I'm like, got to roll. we got to go. Let's find somewhere new. And so we pick up, and we go park it with another team. And, um, and it's been awesome for me this past year. So to really get to know the teams, and there's different cultures. You know, our tech team is a bit different than our fashion team and our marketing team, and so it's been super great for me to get to know truly everybody who works at Guilt, um, and I love it. I actually thought I was going to do it for the first couple months. That was my, you know, thought as I'll 
be fun to do it for the first two months, spend a week with every team, do some of their work, doing all hands with each team, get to know everybody. But, you know, we're one year in and, you know, no signs of changing. So it's definitely a very open door policy. <laughs> um, and, you know, I may show up sitting next to you um, next week. So you never know. Um, uh, yes, everybody has my email. Anybody can come by and talk. And, you know, and I try really hard. I just think it's respectful, right? I try really hard to get back to people. I think if people put energy and effort and passion into something, you know, you should be respectful about it. Um, am I always flawless? No, of course not. Um, I have a four-year-old and five-year-old, so uh, every once in a while things fall apart. Um, but you know, I try after they go to bed at night to make sure I don't go to sleep until I've sort of just put a cap on the day, um, and that just means making sure I've gone through things. And you know, I might send back a one-word response, and that I'll read more and get back later, or I might be able to really pick up the phone and do something, call someone, or I might put them on my calendar for the next day. Um, but Look, it's, it's actually selfish in a way. Um, I'm inspired by the people I work with, you know, and, and when I'm having my worst day and the hardest day, and you know, those days where you're like, oh, I'm gonna rip my hair out, um, it does me a huge amount of good to hang out with these amazing people who are making a difference at Guild. So for me to go sit in an office somewhere remote, like I, would, I wouldn't be good. I wouldn't actually feel great, so. Um, so you touched on user acquisition. What's the next like demographic or user base that you're trying to capture? Yeah, um, so you know it's funny because I almost think about it more as like a psychographic, if that makes sense. I think people who love guilt are people who themselves have a bit of a point of view. Um, I think that what guilt does really well is we can push you and encourage you and inspire you and shift you and move you and make you think about a new brand or an, a new look. Um, and, and that's our job. Um, but we, we, tend to, we tend to attract people who are slightly more urban than not, slightly more affluent than not, educated, have a point of view, have a bit of style, and, and generally younger than sort of the rest of the internet demographic. Um, and that's true, you know, sometimes I, I talk to our team that I think our New York customers in some ways have more in common with our Hong Kong customers than they might with other parts of America, you know, because it's this sort of more um, worldly group um, that's kind of thoughtful and curious and interested and, and our job is to kind of push that and excite that and, and generate more, you know, help customers generate more of a sense of point of view. Um, my question is with social media marketing. I know a lot of brands are kind of delving into um, using, for example, Snapchat or Instagram, like the individual side of Instagram. Is there any plans on using Snapchat or Instagram as like targeting like cus certain customer bases? Yeah. And if so when, so I can know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's funny because Guilt was built off of social, right? It, it was a referral program and you had to tell your friends to become a member. And so before even some of the social sites were as prominent as they were, the idea of Guilt was, was pretty social. And it goes back to why I think there's this sense of a membership of people of style that, you know, means something. Um, we do a lot with some social sites and we're doing more and more. We're making it easier and easier for you to share a brand you love or a product you love or an idea you love with your friends. Um, we've just started playing with the Guilt Life, um, hashtag the Guilt Life, which is our way of letting customers show 
us how they wear certain things and you know or maybe the guilt box that arrived or you know we had a customer the other day during holiday we had tons of people posting pictures and they built a Christmas tree of guilt boxes they had gotten in the past few weeks and so um, you know we're starting to do that but I would say it's nascent for us it's early days for us and uh, I think we have a lot to learn and a lot to explore still. Thank you so much. What a nice night. Thank you. Thank you.